Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, research analyst for Money and Markets with your latest Bull and the Bear podcast. Uh, glad you're joining us uh, on this kind of weekend edition. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of stuff to go over, uh, and I want to jump right to it before I you know, go into a spiel about how you can listen and all that, all that stuff. Uh, today, I'll, I want to take a focus on, on technology, but be a little more specific. Because technology development has kind of been slow in the last couple months. You probably can thank coronavirus for that. Supply chains are not operating as they usually are. More people are working remotely, things like that. So technology development really isn't um, going full bore. And, and, and it's hindered development of things like artificial intelligence, robotics, even 5G technology has been slow to roll out. Um, but it hasn't stopped companies from, from developing that, uh, the companies that develop that technology from, from thriving, actually. If you look at the uh, Robo Global Robotics and Automation ETF, uh, it trades under, on the stock exchange under ROBO, aptly named. It's up 74% since hitting a March low. Uh, it's dipped a little bit in September, in late September, but it's gone up about 10% since then to its current price, indicating that there is a possible upswing in the offing. Uh, the ETF holds companies like NVIDIA. Everyone's heard of NVIDIA. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Rockwell Automation, which if you're not familiar, they are a company that does a lot of uh, PLC programming on uh, automation for robotics. Uh, and also semiconductor powerhouse Qualcomm is also in that ETF. And I want to pull two stocks that are listed uh, in that specific ETF. And they're in other, other robotics and automation ETFs. Um, but I thought of this one specifically. And I want to bring in uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore, as well as Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell. We will kind of roundtable these two stocks. So uh, first off, welcome to those two. And let me jump right in and, and, and get to the two stocks we're going to discuss today. First off, the first company is a little bit, we were actually talking about this off air. Uh, it's a little bit, I don't want to say it's complicated to describe what they do. But basically, they produce automatic test equipment for a lot of different industries. And these industries include semiconductors, industrial automation, wireless technology. Um, and, and I have a sneaky suspicion Charles is going to drop a gangbuster reference in terms of what this company is here in just a minute. But uh, to, to get more specific, uh, the company had one-year annual sales growth rate of 29.6%. It's got trailing 12-month sales of about $2.8 billion. Uh, their sales increased from $2.1 billion in 2018 to $2.3 billion in 2019. Seems like things might be slowing just a bit in uh, 2020, but not too much. Uh, the company has a three-year annual earnings per share growth rate of 149.3%, and earnings have blown away Wall Street expectations in each of the last five quarters. The company here is Teradyne Incorporated. It trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol TER. And I'll first start with Charles Sizemore. First off, Charles, welcome. And uh, Teradyne's had a nice run here of late in terms of sales and in terms of earnings per share. Um, but are they to you, are they a company that worth, if you're, if you're an investor looking at, um, robotics, industrial automation, uh, artificial intelligence, are they a company worth looking at today? I would say so. So I, I I'm going to give this a buy. Um, I would put a, a caveat on that, that given that this is a pretty volatile stock, I would say maybe keep your position size a little bit smaller than usual. You probably shouldn't put the same amount into a stock like this that you would put into, I don't know, you know say Johnson & Johnson or something more conservative. Uh, that, that's okay. I mean, it, position sizing is, 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 is a part of investing. I would say this is, yeah, this is a, a good 
company. It's one that I might make a, a slightly smaller position. Uh, there's, there is some, some interesting backstory on this, or probably backstory is the wrong word, but sort of a macro story, if you will. Uh, this yeah, automation was a trend, has been a trend since the Industrial Revolution, of course. And these guys are, are part of that. Now, what we've seen in the different parts of the world, less here, more in Europe and, and, and Japan, is that as societies age, automation becomes a lot more important. Uh, that's, it, it's, I don't have to really go into a lot of detail why. It's pretty obvious. If you, when you have a shrinking workforce, an aging workforce, it's nice to replace some of that labor with machines. Now, there's also sort of a pandemic element here as well. Companies have realized how, how sensitive uh, you know, their models can be to, dis to disruption. People can get sick. People can be locked at home, but they can't leave their house. Um, the, you know, people can be stuck in airports, you know, whatever, uh, whereas machines don't. You know, machines just keep clicking along. And our joke off air was that uh, I, I don't remember the name of the company that made Skynet in the Terminator, but I, I, was, I swear <laughs> it was Terranine or something that sounded a lot like that. So uh, this is also the company that is eventually building the, the doom of mankind. So you can invest in that as well. But uh, no, I, I do think this is, um, this, it, the stock has some good tailwinds supporting it. Uh, again, I would say, you know, maybe keep your position sizes smaller than usual, but overall good stock. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that was it, the Skynet reference in terms of Terminator. That, that's great. Anytime we can drop a movie reference, I think you've had Star Trek and now it's Terminator. I think people... Just viewers make the list of science fiction. We'll, we'll get through them all. Viewers and listeners are trying to get an idea of where your head's at, um, <laughs> which, which is both okay. It's a dark and, place. And it's a dark, not. dark place. Now I want to bring in Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell. Adam, you know, you look at the, 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 the factors here in terms of, you know, it's, it's price to ratios, uh, it's return ons. Teradyne is actually uh, positioned very well, especially compared to the rest of the industry. What is your thought on Teradyne? Yeah, so as far as uh, some of the factors or the, the metrics that you mentioned that would fall into the six factors that I look at, I look at momentum, size, volatility, value, quality, and growth as part of my uh, green zone six-factor stock ranking model. Um, Teradyne really earns the highest scores on quality and growth. Uh, so as you mentioned, they have double-digit growth rates and revenue uh, and sales, and then also I think their profit, their net profit margins in like the mid 20s, like 24, 25%. So it's quite a rich uh, profit margin there. Uh, that tells us they have something of a moat in their business that they can charge, you know, higher premiums. And, and if they keep their costs low, they keep a good percentage of the revenue there. Um, so, you know, it really gets good scores on quality and growth. As far as value, it's a bit overpriced. It's, uh, it ranks 39, excuse me, 39 out of 100 on my value score, meaning that it's a little bit below average, but uh, not not too uh, not too extreme. As far as volatility, I mean, uh, it's interesting because Charles mentioned that it is a more volatile stock than it is. But um, it actually Teradyne earns a higher volatility score, meaning that it's a, a less volatile stock than the next stock we're going to talk about. And that's partly because even though it has a higher beta, meaning that it's tends to be more volatile and uh, more correlated to to the bullish market, to the passive bull market. Um, and my, my volatility score also looks at risk-adjusted returns. So basically, it says that for the given amount of return that you've gotten from this stock in the past, how much volatility has it, um, has it suffered through? So on that basis, where even though you suffer through some volatility, the, the sharp ratio and the Sortino ratio, which is, are two metrics I look at, they kind, of, they kind of quantify the question, well, is it worth that volatility? For that level of volatility, am I getting market-beating returns that compensate or more than compensate for that volatility? 
And on that measure, uh, pterodyne rates a 69 out of 100. So it's a pretty high score uh, for, for a volatile stock. Um, it's certainly not small, a small company. It's uh, rather, you know, rather large uh, at 14 billion, a little bit over 14 billion. Uh, but it's got good momentum. Overall, it rate, rates very highly. Uh, rates 84 out of 100 overall on my six-factor model. I also like the technicals, just looking at the broad technicals. It's in an uptrend. Uh, it's already uh, bested its uh, early um, earlier highs after the corona crash. It had a pullback in September to kind of test those highs, and it held at those highs and have uh, now traded up to, to new highs right now. Uh, so even on a kind of a purely technical basis, I think Aerodyne's a pretty good play. Uh, as far as their business, I'm, you know, I'm bullish on industrial automation, and uh, I think the fact that they uh, are kind of something of a picks and shovels play, meaning that they don't produce one particular product, uh, but they kind of provide a service of, of testing and, and, uh, and making sure everything's uh, running properly on a number of different products. So I think that that's kind of a good that they have uh, some diver diversification there. So overall, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Teradyne. I, and I agree. I really like this company. And I don't know that there's necessarily one thing that stands out about it. I mean, obviously, its metrics are solid. Uh, we look at Adam's ranking and, and, it's, and his Green Zone rating system, and, and it's solid across the board just about. Um, you know, there's really just there's a lot of things that come out to me that, that tell me this company has a lot of potential. Uh, I think moating was exactly the right word to use, Adam. I, I think that's exactly what this company do has done, uh, and I think it's going to allow them to profit and allow investors to profit uh, at 12 months, you know, 24 months down the road, especially as more 5G, more nationwide 5G comes online across the globe, uh, more industrial automation. Uh, I think the coronavirus is, is really pushing, you know, companies like car companies, uh, you know, other, other mass-producing companies into robotics a little bit more. Uh, and, and, and Teradyne can certainly stand to benefit um, from those kind of shifts. So all three of us uh, agree Teradyne uh, is, a, is a pretty solid buy at this point. This next company, however, has had, a, I don't want to say however, it's had kind of an interesting story. Uh, it designs and builds and sells various robots to, cons to the consumer market, and they do this all around the world. They do, they, they do it in the U.S., they do it in Europe, the Middle East, Africa. Uh, they have robots that will vacuum your floor, they have robots that will mow your lawn. Uh, they have robots that will actually teach children how to code on computer. Uh, company has a three-year annual sales growth rate of about 22.4%. Trailing 12-month sales was 1.3 billion. Uh, it's got an annual. It's got it's grown annual sales in each of the last five years. Uh, it has a one-year annual earnings per share growth rate of 71%. The interesting thing here is that this company just recently reported earnings about a couple days ago. And, and its earnings were very strong. In fact, they actually beat uh, Wall Street projections. However, uh, the stock had, was beaten down pretty well uh, in the day or so following its earnings. And, and it doesn't necessarily, you, know, you take earnings with a grain of salt a little bit. You know, well, the, the misnomer is that if earnings are up, then the share price goes up. It doesn't always happen that way. And it didn't happen in the case of this company. The company here is iRobot Incorporated. Uh, and they trade on the NASDAQ under IRBT. First, I'll start with Charles. Charles, does, does that concern you at all in terms of when you see, uh, you know, an earnings beat the way iRobot had? I think they beat earnings by 20 to 30%, I think, if I remember right. I'm not really sure on that ac exact. But, and then their stock actually takes a, a pretty so a solid downturn. Is that concerning at all? It's not concerning. You have, to, you have to know the sector you're in. And this is a sector that's been sort of subject to hype for, for years. Um, I, I do like the stock. Um, you know, their most iconic product is the Roomba vacuum cleaner that it just kind of cleans your house while you're, you're at work. Uh, but it, this is a stock that's been sort of 
off and on faddish where it's it's kind of you know this is a, an investment fad this week and then next week it's not so it can it, you know it can, it can be rather volatile so uh, I, I I would not be necessarily concerned by that move because it's not that unusual for this stock when you get into a stock like this you should expect volatility so I would say you know my, my advice on this is pretty similar to my advice on the last stock it's a stock worth considering for sure, but I would definitely keep it. I would keep the position size a little bit smaller because, well, you see, um, that's you know, when you when you see one day movements like that, that's a lot less painful. This is a stock that can that can add to your long term returns potentially, but it's not going to be those those periodic downdrafts like that aren't aren't going to be as painful if your position size is smaller. I've got a bigger picture on this. This is uh, this was already a theme that made sense. You know, the modern family is, you know, two working spouses running around like crazy, trying to juggle work and getting kids to soccer practice and, and, and whatnot. No one has time to clean anymore. Right? They just, life is too busy. And particularly these days, um, you know, post pandemic, people are a little bit less comfortable having someone in their house, you know, having a housekeeper clean for them. So something like yeah, a Roomba, is actually really good to just do some of the basic cleaning for you and and not have to have um, you know people outside your household in the house. It was already trend you know this was already a, a trend pre-pandemic it just you know the, the need for help uh, and, and limited human labor but you know post pandemic it, it's it's all the more useful. so I, I think this is a a great theme stock. I think this 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 company is going to be with us for a long time, I think. Uh, acceptance of their products. It, right now, it's still kind of a novelty to have a robotic vacuum cleaner that just cleans while you're at work. I think in the years ahead, that's just going to be normal. It's just going to be expected. Everyone will have that. It's like the Jetsons. See, another pop culture reference here. Not a movie, though. This is a, what, a 1950s cartoon, but mm -hmm. you know, the Jetsons, you know, the house just runs itself, right? Um, that's the future, and I think this, this stock is part of that future. Interesting. And I believe the Jetsons did actually have a movie. So just, just I, okay. I, so, so your, your movie references aren't lost. Um, Adam, I'll ask you the same question. Are you concerned with a one or two or, th or three day move when earnings are high and the, sh and the, and the, the, sh the shares actually shift downward in price? Uh, let me reframe it. I guess I'm not surprised. Um, it's, it, there's kind of this misnomer, this, this uh, simple uh, logic that's used by a lot of investors that says, well, if you go into earnings and if you think that the company is going to beat earnings, then that guarantees or it means it's highly likely that once you hear that beat, um, then you're gonna get a strong pop higher in the stock. And let's say you wanna buy call options ahead of the earnings and you think that they're gonna beat expectations and you're gonna get a huge pop in that, in that call option. Uh, there's a number of problems with that logic. You know, first of all, um, you have to guess correctly or you have to forecast or predict correctly what, whether the company's gonna beat and then they have a number of metrics that they could beat or miss on. There's top line revenue, there's bottom line uh, profits. Uh, adding a second layer to that, you have to determine whether that expectation is already priced into the stock. So if everybody's already expecting the stock to beat uh, revenue expectations or earnings and that happens, well, then there's no really more upward movement in the stock because that's already been priced in. Uh, the third order of that is you have to realize the companies then revise their future expectations. So they could beat earnings for the, the previous quarter, but then uh, you know lower their uh, forecasted expectations for the the following uh, part of the fiscal year. So it's a third layer. And then the fourth layer is just how does sentiment change? I mean, 
sometimes you see a stock that, that beats on everything and then investors were just greedy and they think that they should have beaten by a margin, wider margin. So then sentiment sours and the stock sells off. The other problem with, uh, just while I'm on this rant, is that buying options ahead of a, an earnings announcement is that you think it's just a directional trade. You think, of, well, if, the, if they get a beat and then the stock goes higher, then my call option, which is a bullish play, is going to pop higher. But oftentimes, what a lot of uh, novice investors don't realize is that there's a lot of volatility price baked into that option. So when you buy the option for, say, $5 a contract or $500 a contract, you know, if a large portion of that portion of that is high expected volatility, and then after the earnings announcement comes out and volatility goes down because now there's you know less uncertainty, there's a more certain future. Um, often you can get the directional move right and still lose money on the option because you have the volatility component of that pricing go down. So you know there's a lot of details. If you don't follow along, that's fine. But the the point is that at the end of the day, in simple terms, is a lot trickier to trade an earnings announcement than, than most people think. So am I surprised that iRobot uh, beat ex most expectations and the stock traded down? No, I'm not really surprised by that. Um, as far as you know, longer term, you know, it's probably just a short term consideration. Longer term, I have <clears throat> I have real mixed feelings with this stock because it rates very highly on my six factor model. It rates like a 96 out of 100. It's high quality scores, high growth scores, average. Um, average value, average volatility, decent momentum. Um, it actually pretty, gets a pretty good size score because it's just uh, just over, the, I think, the $2 billion uh, small cap category. But the problem I have with this stock is kind of twofold. One, it, as Charles mentioned, it was a very fad stock in recent years. Um, and so it basically, at the beginning of this bull market in 2009, went from under $10 all the way up to $110. So it increased 11x. And that last part of the move in 2017 was parabolic. Uh, since then, the stock has really been choppy. It's made some dramatic swings higher and lower. So during the Corona crash, it was as low as its 2016 prices. Um, so it's recovered a good bit since then, but it still hasn't recovered to its 2019 peak at about 130. It's right now at 85. So for me, it's just a really choppy stock. And I, I don't know, this may be a bias that is working against me, but I have a hard time. You know, I, I don't personally see the value in buying the robot uh, vacuum cleaner. Uh, I clean our house. Um, I use a, a cordless vacuum. So that to me is a nice feature to not to have the cord, but to have this little robot running around and at my feet, um, I don't necessarily see the value in that. So um, I know that they are coming out with other products. I do believe in automation and it's particularly industrial automation, but as far as this very niche product, um, I think it's you know certainly a fad and, and maybe a lot of people will have it. Um, but for me, it's kind of hard to buy this stock based on you know such a particular niche product. And uh, certainly at these prices, so I'd probably be a, a pass. Even. Okay, um, I you know I'm I you know, I really thought about this a lot, and I thought about this overnight. I thought about it this morning before we went on, and because this is the one I was really kind of tossed up about, I, I just couldn't make a determination on whether I, I liked it or not. Obviously, with Adam's six-factor green zone ratings system, it does rank very high. I mean, it's very strong in growth, very strong in quality. You heard Adam talk about it. I mean, there, there's a lot of things moving in the right direction for iRobot in terms of Adam's system. You look at its price, um, you know, I, I, its price to sales, uh, you know, price to cash flow, all beating the industry solidly, and, and its margins are good. Um, it's, it's a net margin right now is about 11%. It's operating margin is about the same, about 11%. Um, I, but I, you know, the, the thing for me is I looked at, you know, the company's got about $52 million in debt, but they've got about $357 million in cash. Uh, their sales have gone up each of the last, um, five years. Uh, and, and I think that's going to continue. I, I think that, you know, iRobot is, it may be a fad. I, and I agree with that. It is, I actually want one, but, uh, cause I, I've got, 
vacuum with a cord and all that good stuff. Um, so you're actually a step ahead of me there, Adam, in terms of what you're using to clean the house. But I, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a market here. And I think if, if this company can be successful in, in branding and, and creating other products outside of just a vacuum cleaner, um, I think if they're, they're coding, uh, their coding software and their coding robotics for children. I think it's fantastic. I love that. Uh, you know, the, the mowing thing, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit slow to, to come up, but uh, I think if they can be, do you really trust, do you really, do you really trust something with like whirling blades to just go <laughs> by itself with no human intervention? That's, I, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I live in an apartment complex, so I really don't have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's gonna be a little slow to take off. Um, I mean, it works under the same premise as the, as the Roomba in terms of it, it maps it out and then just goes up and down and up and down and up and down. It works, but yeah. I, mean, it's, I get it in theory, but yeah, whirling uh, sharp blades. Whirling, uh, whirling, uh, motor, whirling you know, uh, uh, lawnmower blades. It just seems like, like ro robotic Legion of Doom or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good with this. <laughs> Made, brought to you by Teradyne, who brings you Skynet. Uh, have, have your lawyer read the user agreement very closely. Exactly, <laughs> for sure. But so, I, you know, I guess if I had to break a tie here, I would probably be with Charles on this. I would, I would keep the position small uh, just because it is a, an extremely choppy stock. Um, I think it can reach its, its 2016 highs. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. I think it's going to take it could be two, three, four years before it actually reaches that high again. So if you're going to get into iRobot, I would probably say keep a very minimal position uh, in, in terms of that. If you're, if you're going between the two, I'd say Teradyne is probably your better bet. So to recap, we're all, we're all three pretty strong on Teradyne. Uh, Charles and I are, are, are good with iRobot on a limited basis. And, and Adam is, is a, what, I, what I'm hearing is a soft pass. Soft pass, yeah. And I do have one one quick note at the end here, just sure. 20 seconds. Yeah, and absolutely. That, that's if you if you don't want to bet on an individual stock within automation, uh, but you like the industry, uh, Matt, you're really great to point out one ETF. I, I'm a big fan of these uh, industry disruptor ETFs, you know, industries that are kind of up and coming. Absolutely. Uh, so you don't have to pick the winner. R-O-B-O -O is the one that you mentioned. Yeah. I, I just want to plug another one. It's Global X. Um, yes. is the uh, fun mm -hmm. company and they have one called bots. So it's B is in boy, O, T is in Tom, Z is in Zulu. Exactly. Uh, so that's another one to, to check out. And these are great ways to, you know, again, like Adam said, if you're not looking to invest specifically in a company, but you still like the overall, the overall sector, uh, because it is a strong sector. Again, talked about it, Robo, the, the ETF Robo, 74% up since it's March lows. Uh, and it's still trending higher. Uh, even after a short, uh, about a two or three day dip in September, back up 10% off of that. So, um, uh, you know, that is another way to, to really look at that uh, if you're looking at the industry as a whole. So that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of uh, The Bull and the Bear. It is actually our 51st episode. So I don't know if there's a milestone in there somewhere, but we had our 50th episode earlier this week. So I hope you listened. Uh, if you do want to listen to The Bull and the Bear, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com, type in moneymarkets.com, type in money markets rather, find the green bull and the bear and uh, click that. Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, you get notified every time we put out a video. We're also on various podcast indicators if maybe audio is not your thing and maybe Charles is just just not as strikingly handsome as you once thought uh, and you want to do an audio version instead, hey, you went with Terminator, I've, I've got to come back at you somehow. So um, uh, maybe audio is your way to go, then you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and now on Amazon. So you have a, a wide array of places you can listen. If you have a comment, question, concern, maybe a stock or a sector you'd like us to look at, email us at thebullandthebear at moneymarkets.com. 
We've got much more coming up. Uh, we've had the marijuana market update already. We've got our week ahead that comes out at the end of the weekend. Uh, plus much, much more. Team and I are we're sitting down. We're, we're concocting new videos for you to put out on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe and, uh, and uh, get notified when we put those out. So for Money and Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and contributor Charles Sizemore, I am Money and Markets Research Analyst Matt Clark, your host of The Bull and the Bear, as well as the Marijuana Market Update and the week ahead. And until we talk next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 